good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Thursday, September 28th, 2023. And our top story today, the impact of rising interest rates on stable value funds. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Matthew Brenner is the MVP of Investments for Mission Square Retirement. Matt, it's great to see you again. Thanks so much for joining us in the program this morning. Jeff, it's really a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and, and we're going to talk about stable value funds. And, and we've talked about this topic on the network before, but I think given a rising rate environment that we've experienced, I think it's always important to kind of revisit topics. So Matt, before we kind of get into that and how you manage a stable value fund in a rising rate environment, let's start with the basics. So I'm, I'm up to speed with you. What is a stable value fund? Yeah, so a stable value fund is really a fund that focuses on offering a steady level of income um, through capital preservation and also looking to meet liquidity needs. So it's a conservative option. It's only available in defined contribution plans or plans like a defined contribution plan. You can't find a stable value mutual fund. It really exists for these purposes. And for a long time, it was the most conservative and kind of bedrock option of defined contribution plans. So a typical stable value fund um, has got bonds or fixed income securities underneath it. Uh, the insurance companies that do this are referred to as wrap providers because their insurance is covering or wrapping all of the underlying securities that are in that stable value fund. And, that, and that's, not to interrupt you, but that's where that guarantee that you were talking about comes from. The insurance companies wrapping the financial instrument provide that, support that guarantee. Matt, you, you kind of hit on some of the underlying securities, bonds. Do you want to take a little bit more of a deeper dive? When you, when you unpack, you talked about the insurance wrapper, but when you unpack the portfolio, what, what's, what's in there? What, what is in that? bag of goodies that, that, that a manager like Mission Square is managing. Uh, that's right. There, and there are a lot of different approaches to this. So um, we can talk about what's in a commingled stable value fund, uh, but we'll get into, I think, a little later on the different approaches to stable value where the answers to what's in it might be a little different. But in kind of a baseline standard commingled fund, it may not be all that different than what you would find in a bond fund. Uh, probably not as long as like an intermediate type mandate of a total return fund, uh, but certainly a mixture of shorter to intermediate term fixed income securities. And when we're talking about fixed income securities in stable value, you can expect uh, higher quality typically not only just government bonds, but higher quality mortgage securities and corporate securities, you know, with a mixture perhaps of some other securities uh, around the edge of some different sectors within fixed income space. Um, but typically the insurance company is going to have some parameters that look to a certain level of quality from a rating standpoint um, and give some constraints to make sure that this is a more conservative type portfolio. Yeah. And, and so now I feel caught up. I feel like I'm on the same page as you, not with the same level of expertise, but I'm, I'm at least getting it. Let's talk about a rising rate environment. Many participants, many of us kind of on the outside see what the Federal Reserve has done over the last several 
quarters, raising interest rates. And I think a lot of us understand the inverse relationships with, between bonds and interest rates. But how does the rising rate environment impact these financial instruments that you're describing? Well, Jeff, I'm glad you brought up the inverse relationship because uh, as much as we all understand that, it still always bears repeating that when a stock goes up, uh, excuse me, when a bond goes up, uh, the yield goes down. When an interest rate goes up, the price of that bond goes down. And that interest rate uh, versus the price discrepancy really has a big impact on staple value. Because in a rising interest rate environment, your bonds are more likely to go down in price um, because that yield has to go up to match what's going on in, uh, in the current market. Now, in stable value, when the yields are going up and the bonds are going down, your market value of the underlying securities is going down, right? It makes sense. So that can happen in the bond fund too. But because of this insurance wrap, that guarantee, there's a book value associated with stable value. And that book value by design, according to the guarantee, is supposed to continue to go up every day, a little bit. And so if the book value keeps going up, but the market value goes down, now you have a discrepancy. Uh, and in a stable value fund, if the market value is less than your book value, it's also called the market to book ratio, um, that means in the theoretical environment where everybody wanted to get all their money out at the same time at book value, there's some shortfall that would need to be made up by the insurance company. And so clearly, if the market value falls below the book value, there has to be some parameters around what goes on so that nobody is left holding the bag. And, and, and Matt, and so, oh, go ahead and finish your thought, Matt. Yeah, so sorry, uh, but just to finish, finish up the thought. So if you think about that, that difference between the market value and the book value needs to be made up at some point over time. Um, and that can happen in various ways. Uh, it can happen by having a lower what's called crediting rate, which is like a yield, but it's specific to stable value. Um, and you wait for that to work its way out over time. Um, or the market value starts to change, interest rate dy dynamics start to change, so that ultimately that market value and the book value start to converge. And maybe at some point you get to a, a healthier stable value dynamic where that market value is higher than the book value. Thanks, Matt. And, and, and actually, you answered the question I was going to ask you. So lesson to me to keep my lesson to me to keep my mouth shut and to let the guests continue to espouse their expertise. Matt, let me let me ask you about um, portability, because you talked about market the book. Sometimes market the book there. There's a wide dispersion. So what you're booking is very different, maybe more than the market value of the underlying assets. How does this rising rate environment impact portability? And what do I mean by portability is going from one record keeper, like a Mission Square or Company X, let's just say, to Company Y. And you want to either retain the stable value investment that you already have in the plan, or you want to port it over to a new investment. 
it's a great question and a great point to focus on right now. So a common feature of a commingled stable value fund is the ability for a plan sponsor to exit the fund at book value um, following some waiting period. So those waiting periods may vary, but you can say that 12 months is a fairly typical waiting period uh, in today's marketplace. And so the way that would work is for a commingled stable value fund, a uh, plan sponsor would notify uh, their existing manager that we intend to take the money out. And then 12 months later, they'd be able to move, uh, move the assets to a new stable value provider. Um, 12 months is not immediate, but it's also not such a long period either. So that with a certain amount of planning, um, you do have the ability if you're a plan sponsor uh, to be somewhat, if not fairly portable with a commingled stable value fund. Now I will say here, it's vitally important to understand what kind of stable value product you have if you were a plan sponsor, because not every stable value product is a commingled fund. There's another type of stable value offering that is an insurance general account product. And so these products will have a crediting rate. It increases their book value. It's very similar to a commingled fund. But the underlying holdings are held on the balance sheet of an insurance company. And so that's a difference. Again, everyone is going to be a little different, but as a typical example, um, following a plan sponsor's notice to a general account product, assets could be paid out over a five-year period with, as an example, let's say 20% annually. So if you have that type of situation, it becomes a lot less portable. And if you're a plan sponsor, it may be very difficult to even exercise that option because you would be getting only a portion of the fund every year, which means that something would have to happen to those assets that you get, which means that a plan administrator may actually have to administer two stable value options as part of that plan. That's an added layer of complexity. So, um, you know, that is, is a very big consideration on portability. Now, the final point I note is a plan sponsor could always say, uh, you know, we're just going to take our money but they would take it to market value, not at book value. And so if you do that in today's environment, there's a shortfall between market value and book value. And so someone would have to make up that shortfall. And so that would be something a plan sponsor would have to focus on very intently uh, because they almost certainly would not want to just forego the guarantee and accept the shortfall. That kind of negates the whole point of having stable value first place. Well, Matt, thanks for that. And, and we need to take a very quick break. But when we come back, how does a rising rate environment impact how fiduciaries and their advisors assess stable value products? You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, 
and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. We're joined this morning by Matthew Brenner of Mission Square Retirement. Matt, thanks for sticking around with us for segment number two this morning. Sure. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, and, and look, I, I love stable value because I, I, I appreciate, and when I say stable value to the audience, I mean all the different flavors of guaranteed products. I think it's such a unique product, but it's one that is the backstop and it's a big part, the backbone of a lot of DC plans. Matt, let's talk about evaluation. So for those fiduciaries out there that are thinking about moving record keepers, they're thinking about swapping out products, they're thinking of looking at different products, they're just doing due diligence. Does, does the rising rate environment change how these parties should evaluate products like these? Well, really in all environments, we hope that you know, fiduciaries and advisors are trying to look at it from, from all angles. And so on some level, no, it shouldn't change. But naturally, there's going to be much more of a focus of the impact of rising rates on these types of decisions when we're in an environment like the one that we're in right now. And as advisors and fiduciaries are making those evaluations today, they would want to be particularly mindful around the exit provisions of any type of product that they go into. Because once you make that commitment, uh, if for whatever reason a change is required, it's a very different proposition if you can get your money out immediately, over 12 months, or over a multi-year period. Um, that can have knock-on effects in terms of other decisions that plan sponsors are making in terms of the in terms of the overall administration of their plan. Another thing that would be really important to focus on uh, in a rising rate environment is how a manager determines the crediting rate. Some products may offer a really attractive initial crediting rate, but subsequent rates may not meet the expectations or needs of fiduciaries. So understanding uh, you know, is it based on the underlying assets or is there some other calculation that goes into the determination of a crediting rate? That's something that becomes particularly important in this type of environment. Um, and so also in this 
period, advisors and fiduciaries should also look at, you know, the potential solutions that can solve for existing shortfalls between market and book value. So if you're in a situation now where the market is uh, below book value, um, there may be some solutions that can allow more portability than perhaps you would think at first blush. Um, now, given that, there has to be a recognition that there is no free lunch. Uh, if the market value is below book value, that shortfall has to be made up in some way. Um, but there may be options that can protect the stable value assets and address that shortfall in perhaps in creative ways, uh, whether it's you know um, looking to spread that cost out over time um, or perhaps look to meet the shortfall uh, beyond just you know a, a kind of uh, you know simplistic cash infusion by the plan sponsor. Yeah, and, and as I'm hearing you talk, Matt, I'm thinking about RFP questions. I'm thinking about some of the, you know, how would you solve from a successor? How would you solve for some of these problems? And of course, you would need to provide some of that information, number of participants, the cash flow, the, the market, the book, all that kind of stuff. Matt, uh, you know, in so much in our industry, we focus on fees. How important are fees for these types of products, knowing that they're different constructs? There's a guaranteed, uh, there's a pulled product, a collective product, a separate account product, and a general account product. Not always are there explicit fees, but how important in, in terms of the analysis and evaluation are fees? Yeah, I mean, as with any investment product, fees are important consideration. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but that said, fees, not only for stable value, but really for any part of the product, I would argue, um, are not going to be the top overwhelming consideration that outweigh every other factor. Right? They're consideration. They are an important input. Um, and fees should be reasonable. Uh, and they should account for how the assets are invested. But a fee alone should not drive this type of decision on which product to select. And based on the value that a stable value offering provides, and you can measure that in a variety of ways, it's reasonable to expect that fees are going to be different from one product to another. And so if you're an advisor or fiduciary evaluating these types of products, it's really important to evaluate the overall value over different time horizons. So you can make an appropriate selection on stable value. You might find a product where the fee is a little lower, but if it doesn't seem like you're really generating that value over time for participants, then maybe it makes sense to find something where the fee may be a little higher, but you're getting value for it. And to your point, Right, the fees and stable value really cover a variety of different areas. Um, so it's not just the investment management, but there's the fees around those wraps or that that insurance guarantee that factor into into the overall pricing. So definitely focus on it as important, but don't let the fee be the sole determinant of the type of product that you select. Yeah, again, really good point. And in my head, I'm thinking about all the times I had like a chart to break down those fees where 
there were explosive fees because as you said some products don't necessarily have explosive fees matt i can't let you leave without talking about the participant because a lot of what we talked about is a little bit of the inside baseball for fiduciaries the participant the individual the member they don't always see this kind of stuff they see the crediting rate that they're going to get and they see their account balance how do you in a rising rate environment are there any I don't want to call them tricks, but tricks of the trade, best practices, that's the right word I want to use, in terms of how fiduciaries can communicate the things that we're talking about in the best way that's understandable. Because if, if you say market the book to a participant, they're going to be like, and these are smart people, they're going to be like, what the heck is he talking about? So are there some best practices about how to communicate this to the, to the end user, the consumer? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. This, uh, this product... Um, in many ways is its own asset class. So even if there's an understanding by a participant on fixed income or stocks generally, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's gonna be a full and robust understanding of stable value because it is different than anything else out in the marketplace. Um, so the first thing to do is just for fiduciaries advisors to acknowledge that stable value can be confusing. Um, and focus as much as possible on that clear, uh, simple, clear communication and provide some education around it. Um, in particular, at a time of rising interest rates, that focus on the crediting rate alone can really cause some confusion. Because if you focus on the crediting rate alone, that sounds a lot like yield. And at a time of rising rates, by design, the crediting rate is almost going to be low, certainly lower than what you might find in a money market fund. Um, now, if you look at an overall market cycle, uh, stable value has tended to do very well versus what you might get in a money market fund. But there are going to be these times where rates go up quickly, stable value is adjusting, and that money market rate could be a little better. So. In talking about what the crediting rate is, it's important to also communicate that this is uh, a product by design that goes up in all market environments, whether rates are going down or rates are going up. That is the book value component with the guarantee. And if that's the case, that it's important also to look through what's ever going on in any types of short-term markets, whether rates are going up and going down, and say, what is the purpose of this uh, in, in the defined contribution plan? What is the purpose for a participant? The purpose is almost there in its name, to provide a stable source of capital preservation that is going to provide income throughout any market cycle. And so whether or not Things are going up or things are going down or you can look uh, online and find yourself better rated at any given moment think about the long term focus on the longer term try to avoid the noise of what a rate may be at any given moment uh, and look to you know why stable value is constructed the way it's constructed and that these periods where stable value may have a lower rate than what you might find in the money market fund, they tend to pass. The other thing that's important to note for advisors, fiduciaries, and communication is that there are rules and regulations around how you can move money 
in and out of stable value. So without getting too technical, it's just important to communicate that you can't just move money in and out between a stable value fund and a money market fund if that's an option on your defined contribution plan. Um, that uh, looking as to what your longer term goal is and and leaving the money where it's most appropriate as a participant uh, uh, is likely a better course than finding yourself caught up in some of the rules that may prevent you from leaving a stable value fund and getting back into it pretty quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, Matt, I, I often think that participant communication is like the last thing a lot of people think about. But to me, if you want to avoid phone calls to either the service provider or to your own office, you have to really think about it. Matt, we're going to have to leave it there. Great analysis is always great seeing you. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Jeff, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. That wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives? Check out our latest content. Well, visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRNAM. We'll have a very special guest and a very important topic. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget... Roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.